Hello, I'm Gail Gibson, accredited master coach, speaker, author, and podcaster. Welcome to my podcast, The Can Do Way. My guests from across the globe have can-do stories of growth, resilience, and success to share. Tune in and be inspired by these individuals who have developed a strong can-do approach. Each one of their stories is unique. Each one of their stories has a key message. In this episode, I'm talking to Susan Robertson, executive coach, author, and speaker. Now, Susan is the co-founder and CEO of Lindsay's Conscious Business Group. For over 31 years, Susan has worked with businesses worldwide, focusing on executive leadership and cultural transformation. She is the author of Real Leadership, Waken to Wisdom, and her upcoming book, Real Culture, The Catalyst for Conscious Business. Her passion is to support leaders, teams, and organizations, helping them find their direction and purpose by becoming real. Simply put, the real methodology increases bottom line performance. Susan believes companies can be both profitable and compassionate. She is a long-term mediator. She enjoys hiking in the Blue Ridge and skiing in Vale with her stepchildren and grandchildren. Welcome to the show today, Susan. Thank you, Gail. Thank you for having me. Wonderful. So let's dive in and let's explore some of this real um, analogy that you use. So if we can first start with a short walk through your life, if you can give us a glimpse of your background and how you arrived at helping your clients increase bottom line performance. Um, Well, uh, I got started into this work when I was, uh, I started in banking when I was quite young. I had to work my way through college and uh, banking was a career that if you went to college, they reimbursed you a hundred percent for your mm-hmm. books and um, the tuition. Mm-hmm. And so I got into banking that way. But, you know, while I was in banking, I used to watch what they called their leadership rotation groups. These would be new managers who were coming in, recent college grads usually, and rotating through the bank and then coming through the department I was in. And I remember being quite young, 20 years old, and looking at each one of those groups and thinking that I made a game of it because I was at the bottom of the totem pole, if you will. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and I would, I would look at them and say, who did I think would be a good leader or not? Who did I think would make it through the program? And how far did I think that they would go? I don't know why I played that game, but it was, I guess I was bored. And, um, and it was very interesting to me as I watched some of their careers because I was working my way through college I hadn't graduated college to see actually what made the difference. Um, And I just kept that sort of mindset as I began to progress through my own career, what was going to make the difference for me to continue moving forward. Wonderful. What a great start. You know, just, just taking us back to that working through college stage, you know, that can do mindset was obviously in you at that time as well. So tell me a bit more about what you had to do to work through college. I know you said you had the support of being paid for 
in return by the bank for your college fees. What were you thinking when you were having to go through that process and what do you think was different for you as against others who may have had their way paid for them um, to get through college? So what, was, what do you think the marked difference was and what approach did you need to take? Well, I, part of it was I think I had no choice or there was destiny or both. Um, I grew up, um, I was at the time, I, I experienced homelessness. I experienced poverty, physical, sexual abuse. And so when I say I feel like I didn't have a choice, in some ways, it was everything I needed to do to get out of that kind of condition of my life and to do something else because um, I didn't want, I didn't want to repeat that in my life. And I didn't, I can remember feeling like I will never be poor again. And to me, looking at what it would take, it meant getting a college education and making sure that I could take care of myself because, you know, my, my family was such in dire straits as I grew up in uh, high school, you know, from grade school through middle school through high school. Mm. And so in that way, it was just, um, Yes, it was can do is, yes, I can get out of here. You know, I can create something different because I have to. Because I knew what the, the, the other choice was, which was I wasn't going to repeat what I was living. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, that was really the catalyst was moving. You know, we talked about fight or flight res- response mm-hmm. was moving away from pain into creating something better for myself. Um, to move forward. So that's why I got into banking. Banking paid for school. Mm -hmm. It was a stepping stone for you to create this this new life. But more than that, you you were already building that mindset to say, I want to keep driving forward. I want to keep building so that I can move away but also um, move my beliefs and behaviors away from everything you'd experienced as well. Would you agree with that? Yep, exactly. Yep. I didn't understand why people wanted to stay in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. No, when all, all I wanted to do is, as you said, was move away, get away and never go back um, and create something new or different for my life, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, than what I experienced growing up. So, yeah, and I feel like I've been very, in that way, um, despite the humble beginnings, you know, feeling quite blessed of where I am today. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's a wonderful full circle story, which I'm sure there's a lot more in it in the middle of everything. So as you... As you moved away your way through the banking and what was that first step for you into becoming uh, the coach and leader that you have been doing for many years now? What, when did you take that leap of faith or was it positioned for you or tell us how it came about? Well, it, it, it was very interesting because I was in, I started in banking actually when I was 17. And when I was about 26 years old, um, the bank I was working for started to send uh, some of their key people through a leadership program that involved self-awareness, 
uh, it was the early, early days of emotional intelligence. Mm-hmm. Daniel Goleman's book, I think, came out in early 1990. And so this was 1987. Mm-hmm. And so I wasn't high enough in the organization, but I saw people coming back. So I, I decided to pay for that program myself. And I put myself through it because I wanted to see what this was about. And it was a five-day leadership program uh, steeped in experiential emotional intelligence. And when I got done with that program, in a way, what I said to myself is, that's what I want to do when I grow up. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and it was really about mixing a psychology um, and how you could see, you know, some of these other people were older than me, had company pay for it. And, um, and yet I could see that they had limited mindsets and that, that they were going to be limiting themselves. And, um, again, my, my whole mindset was, I don't want to repeat the patterns of the past and I'm not going to stay where I am. So, um, you know, I was, I was much more in the program than many of the people I saw because I paid with my own money um, to, to get this kind of training. And, and that was really the catalyst that then started me into, by the time that was 26, by the time I was 27, I started my first company and left banking, which was terrifying because, you know, it was a solid income. And, you know, I was never going to be poor again and starting a business. If you've ever started one, you start at nothing, mm-hmm. you know, you make no money unless you generate it. So the fear of becoming poor again was definitely there. Um, but I also knew I just, I, I would regret not trying mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and um, felt that banking in it of itself was not the way forward. Um, helping people break through their limitations, because in the end, that's what I saw that what I was doing was breaking through my fears and limitations. And it didn't matter where you started. There were lots of people in that program that had gone to big schools like Yale and Harvard, and they had the same fears I did. And that was a really good eye opener for me. And I thought, you know what? If I can do it, I can teach other people to do it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I love that you said, you know, you put yourself through this program and you were obviously fully self-aware by being present in the moment because you were soaking up all of the learning that you could take and you were realising in yourself that this is exactly what you wanted to do. I just wanted to question the part where you said you had a real deep sense of purpose that you felt because you were paying for it because it was self-generated it was a different experience for other attendees on the program so are those other attendees have those types of people become your clients today to help them move through and become more conscious in their leadership journey that's a really good question. Um, yes. Uh, you know, just last week I was facilitating a five-day workshop mm-hmm. of very deep self-awareness, self-management, breaking through barriers, what holds people back. 
And it was a group of C-suite mm-hmm. executives, right? Mm-hmm. And yet they, they too still had opportunities to, um, I don't know, take a stand, speak up more, um, n- not be afraid that if they decide to do something different, they can't, mm-hmm. you know, rather than always, uh, it, you know, companies want executives and leaders who are flexible, adaptable, and agile. Mm-hmm. And yet, if you make a mistake, then all that flexible, adaptable, agile stuff goes out the window. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, so how can we help? How could I help people move beyond that fear and learn how to stand in their inner strength to push forward when they really believed in something? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I meet with people like that a lot who are in really high positions. Mm-hmm. And yet they still think that they have areas that they could expand upon and, and then also offer the same thing, offer that kind of growth to other people and become mentors and coaches to other people mm-hmm. you know, in their own organizations. So, yeah. Yeah. I was just really curious because I thought, how then do you feel that the results that you help these leaders achieve, how does it elevate their um idea or that whole act of responsibility so them taking accountability for following that path and 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 really living and breathing that sense of purpose in the work that they do and with the teams that they work with as well again another good question and you know one of the things I often ask people is like is your purpose to generate more profit and to increase the margin. Mm -hmm. Is that what really brings you joy and happiness and energy? And to a person, they'll say no. But what really gives them joy, energy, and passion is watching and developing other people. Now, part of that is as a leader, they have to let go of needing to control and they have to develop other people. Um, and and they, they need to develop them in such a way that they themselves aren't needed. And the, and the more that they are, are able to develop other people to the degree that they're no longer needed, in actuality, the better leader you become, you know, and, and you have more time to be more strategic, to be more creative, to really s- sit and think. And so I, I feel like what I teach people what to do is to set down their fear by letting it go. Mm-hmm. And when they do that, they empower others. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and, and through that process, that to me is how exploration, risk-taking, engagement, inclusion, diversity, belonging, innovation, that's how it, to me, gets generated. And then through that process, it just easily you know, moves to the bottom line. Because you have everyone aspiring and being inspired. Yes, love it, love it. You know, and that's I was I was running a masterclass yesterday myself with a a fellow leadership coach, and we were talking about the growth mindset and and working through um, about 
inspiring and being inspired by others as well, just what you were tapping into then, but that whole foundation of empowering others to become autonomous and to be able to be more strategic, align with their purpose and their goals, but also just as you state, it's about being more conscious about who they are and how they fit into the whole mix. So it was just like, well, how how can you do this by yourself? How can you create this idea of responsibility and really live it in your teams as well? Mm-hmm. Exactly. And it's a lot more fun, I think, you know, when, when people stop being scared, mm-hmm. right? The, and they be and they their, their confidence levels go up, and I don't mean confidence on the outward level. That inner confidence, you know, what I what I often say is that the inner confidence of your own inner knowing, your inner wisdom, mm-hmm. and you bring that to bear. Uh, it just it there's less stress involved, yeah. yes. more fun, I, more creativity. Yes. I think you give room. We we see people who make those transformations and they give themselves permission to have that room that's that white space in their minds isn't it that they don't have to be fully cluttered and and fully living in chaos all of the time they actually are very conscious of what they are saying their thinking their behaviors and their actions it's it just it really is transformative exactly yep so tell me then Susan, how did the name of Lindsay's come about? And could you tell my listeners what the word means? Because you shared it with me before we came on the call. Well, it was actually, again, one of those areas where I felt I had no choice. Originally, the name of my company was called Conscious Business Insights. Mm-hmm. And I was getting it trademarked because I really liked the word consciousness and I liked the word insights. Well, as I was down to my 30 days here in the United States, um, where they put it out for public, somebody Mm -hmm. came back and they had, I don't know how they managed to do this, but somebody copyrighted the word insights. And I was like, shoot, you know, and I had already been approved and I could have fought it, but it was sort of like, I could spend 20, 30, a hundred thousand dollars fighting that and win or lose what was most important. And so, you know, out of the three words, conscious business insights, I wanted consciousness because it's Mm -hmm. about transforming consciousness. Mm -hmm. I really like the word insight. So I began to look up that word in other languages. So Lincey's, L-I-N-C-E-I-S, Lincey's actually means to have keen insight, you know, to go, to have deeper insight to transform consciousness. And so I liked, I went, well, I like that name. I still get to keep insights, mm-hmm. but in another language. So the beautiful, see. beautiful connection and it ties together all of the work that you do. And it's, I can hear it so strongly through everything you're talking about and how you talk about the growth that you have experienced from your personal beginnings through to what you are doing today to really make a difference to the lives of people and organisations. And I think it's bringing it all together um, is what is so, so very important. I wanted to ask you, you 
in the introduction, I mentioned that you love to go hiking and you like to go skiing and you spend time with your um, your family. So tell me, why do you prioritize well-being in your life and how does it have an impact on you in the work that you do? Um, as an executive coach, and I'm sure you experience this as well, mm-hmm. is that I, I travel a lot for a living. And so physically, that's really demanding. Um, I've been a meditator since I was 12 years old. Mm-hmm. I'm also a yoga teacher. And I know that, um, you know, I get presented and, and I'm sure you have too. You get presented with all sorts of issues that these people are facing mm-hmm. that you're working with. And if I'm going to help them, I, I feel like I have to be clear within myself. I have to slow down enough to hear my own inner wisdom and transform my consciousness and not be run or governed by uh, fear because I've taken on too much or, um, you know, is that next big client going to come? And, and so I understand the impact of stress on the body. Mm-hmm. And, and I just, I just feel better if I prioritize getting out in nature, doing my morning, you know, meditations before I start my day. Mm-hmm. Because when I do that, I declutter my mind, I quiet my chatterbox. And that allows me to create, as you said before, the white space that I need mm-hmm. to be able to contemplate tough issues. Uh, you know, COVID has presented all sorts of issues, and there is no precedent, at least in my lifetime. My great grandmother's lifetime, there was precedent mm-hmm. called the Spanish flu, right? Mm-hmm. Um, interestingly, my husband's done some research. He said it actually started in Kansas. So okay. how do we come to the Spanish flu? Um, of course, I've, I've not looked that up myself, but my <laughs> husband's a researcher. Um, right. And so, you know, so I have to, if I'm going to teach somebody to let go of fear, I have to, I have to do it myself, right? Mm-hmm. And um, everybody went on lockdown in the last 18 months. Mm -hmm. And as an independent consultant with, you know, her own firm employing people, that's devastating to many consulting firms Mm -hmm. who are used to maybe in-person workshops and consultations. So for me, it's it's one of the main things that I teach uh, the executives I work with is that slow down to go faster get in touch with your deeper, wiser self and not your fight or flight self. And from there, you'll find your wisdom. And so I try and practice what I preach. Fantastic. Fantastic. There's nothing, there's nothing better than being in nature. I completely agree with you and the the morning meditations as well. You know what you're saying to me by giving yourself that space and time as well that we give ourselves to be fully present and fully capable for our clients and the issues that they are sharing with us as well it it taps right back into you being in that conscious in that conscious state um, for your clients and for yourself because we every day we want to go in win and we want to listen with deep intention don't we to really hear what our clients are saying so we have to present our best selves to be able to do that yes exactly 
you know, one of my clients is a hospital. And so this is where I came to today. And they, they've been on, they've not allowed to any, anyone to go to any meetings because mm-hmm. the hospitals have been overwhelmed and my heart just breaks. But I also know that these folks are stressed. They're angry, they're stressed, they're depressed, mm-hmm. they're overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I want to be able to go in there and probably the best thing I'm going to be able to do is compassionately listen and then help them transform all those feelings mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to be able to let that go, to help them f- free themselves up mm-hmm. because what they're seeing is devastating. Yeah. Day to day, isn't it? It's relentless. It's still very prolonged for us all and especially in the um, frontline services, they are seeing the worst of it all. Yeah. Yeah. Tough times, but that's why you do what you do to work your your magic and bring that time and space to the people who need you most. So, yes. Susan, could you share with my listeners three can-do tips for inspiration or motivation? Well, I think the first thing that I would share is it's the airplane analogy. Take time for yourself. Put your mask on first, Mm -hmm. because if you don't take care of yourself, then you're not going to be in a position to take care of someone else. And whatever your meditation is, if that means going for the run in the morning or literally doing your yoga or your meditations, that's one of the most important gifts you can give yourself is that time out. And and I'm actually talking about more like an hour. Mm -hmm. You're really setting aside time where you've decompressed and you've silenced the chatterbox and you've gone into the, what I'd like to call the no mind, no space place Mm -hmm. and moving past any of the concerns so that, so that you can open up. So that would be one thing. But then to do that, the second thing is persistence. And I don't like the word discipline because most people have a negative reaction to it. Mm-hmm. And, and people always ask me, so um, <laughs> even the group was saying, asked me last week, so how often do you meditate? And I said, I will tell you, I meditate every day. But that doesn't mean I actually do it. Uh, but that's my aspiration. And that's mm-hmm. what I affirm to myself. Mm-hmm. And so I do it more often than not. And then if I've missed a day or two, I begin again. So persistence, commitment would be the second thing. And then a third thing would be, I would have to say is forgiveness. Because each of us make mistakes. We don't always get it right. And if we are gentle and compassionate and kind with ourselves, we'll be able to help others do the same, Uh, particularly those leaders. If if we're out there um, either leading 100 people, 1,000 people, 20,000 people, we'll bring that kind of presence to the people that we are working with. Mm -hmm. And those kinds of things when people see somebody who is who is centered within themselves because they focused on their psychological emotional mental spiritual energetic well-being they're persistent at it and they've forgiven themselves for making mistakes 
you know, when, when people see leaders like that, we're inclined to see them as human Mm -hmm. and then we're inclined to connect and follow and become inspired. Most definitely. Beautiful. Wonderful. Three tips, looking after yourself, making that commitment and, and forgiveness as well. Beautiful. And ties it all together for us. Before I ask you the last question, Susan, I wanted to say, when is your next book coming out, Real Culture, The Catalyst for Conscious Business? It is actually coming out um, in January. Mm -hmm. It was supposed to come out last year, but I've held it on my bookshelf because I just, there was one chapter I didn't like. So (laughs) (laughs) So I've been picking at it and I, I finally feel like, okay. We're good to go. So I I talked to my publisher yesterday and I said, January, let's launch it. Yes, good. Start the year in a brand new way and, and, and lead from a conscious year to get started. So thank you for that. I'll be looking out for that uh, on those online platforms. So my last question for you, Susan, is why do you feel a can-do attitude is absolutely essential? Oh, First off, I can't imagine not having one. <laughs> um, and, and quite honestly, I, I feel like the alternative is devastating because a can-do gives you the, I don't know, the inner impetus to move forward. Um, I think I'll, I'll answer it this way. It's a poem that I, it's called Don't Quit. hmm Um, But it was one I memorized. I couldn't afford, when I first saw it, I saw it on a card at a store and I couldn't afford to buy it. And um, so I went in and I memorized it. But the the first lines go like this. When things go wrong, as they sometimes will, when the road you're struggling seems all uphill, when funds are low and debts are high and you want to smile, but you have to sigh. When care is pressing you down a bit, Rest if you must, but don't you quit. Beautiful. And, you know, and and to me, I feel like if people can adopt that attitude, because life isn't going to be perfect. My, I didn't start out perfect. And it doesn't mean that it's been all uphill ever since. There's been lots of ups and downs. Mm -hmm. Don't quit. Stay with it. Uh, Believe in yourself that you can do it. Learn from the mistakes and and move forward after learning and that's why to me forgiveness is such an important piece of this mm-hmm. thank so, you for thank sharing you. that poem it's absolutely beautiful beautiful way to end what has been a really engaging conversation and i feel very calm talking to you i guess it's that shared um, conscious leadership work that we do but i feel like i could talk to you for hours so Thank you so much, Susan, for joining me on the call today. Thank you, Gail. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Do you live and breathe a can-do attitude? Have an inspiring perspective, a life-changing experience, or intriguing story to share? Always curious and with an insatiable appetite for a good yarn, I invite you to be my guest. Do get in touch via my website, gailmgibson.com. The Can Do Way podcast, refreshing, positive and real.